I, I didn't say it before, but I'll say it again, really, or I'll say it now. Uh, I want you to know that as we will have a place for kids next week, kids are always welcome here. Kids are going to make noise. Kids are going to run around. Uh, obviously, you don't want your kid going crazy, crazy, climbing off the ceiling. But we want your kids to feel at home here. So don't feel weird like, oh, my gosh, be quiet or whatever. It's okay. And if kids get on your nerves, I love you, but I'm sorry, you're probably going to be miserable in this church. So uh, that I'm not being ugly or hateful. I'm just saying the disciples pulled that one on Christ once, and he said, no, bring him over here. Uh, so anyway, that being said, uh, and prayer is a big part of who we are. So we love, we're going to pray. Uh, God said his house should be a house of prayer. So that's got to begin and be part of what we do. So grab a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Um, and I'll go ahead and tell you, there will be a few verses occasionally on the screen as we talk in, in the days ahead. But I want you to have a Bible. Uh, uh, there, if, if, you, if you don't have one, they're free in the back. So go get one. If, if you're holding any electronical device, electronical, is that a word? Electronic, all the teachers in the room eyeballing me. Electronic devices, they all have Bibles on them. Get one for free, download it, click the button, find the space uh, to look at your own Bible. The reason for that is a couple of reasons, but the big reason is you can't share what you see on a screen. You can share what you hold in your hand. So for me, it's important that it's in your in your hand. Also, if I give a bunch of verses as, over the days ahead and the weeks ahead and the years ahead, and, and just write them down. If you're like, man, I don't know where that is or whatever, that's okay, write it down. Go back and look it up. I'd rather you look it up anyway, okay? So I want you to know where to find it so you can share it with somebody else uh, as we go. So we're starting a new series. We, Like I said, we've been a church for a while. This is not day one as a church. This is just day one in this place. So because it's a new day, we're doing something new. And we're going to work our way through all of Scripture. So I hope you brought lunch and you're prepared to hang around a while today. I'm joking, of course. It won't be all today. But we are going to work our way through all the scripture, and we're going to follow the story of God, okay? And follow events throughout his word that paint a picture of who he is. Your Bible, you'll hear me say this a million times, your Bible is a tool to see God. It is literally a tool. What is he like? Who is he? What kind of God is he? What does he hate? All those things, in order to see and know him, they come from, from your word. So we're going to go from start to finish through that. Obviously, it'll take a while, but that's okay. We're not in any hurry to be anywhere. So Genesis chapter 1, guess which one? Verse 1. That's the best place to start, right? Uh, so Genesis 1, verse 1. Today we're going to come look at the God who was before creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. By the way, I love that the Bible starts that way. You know how many arguments you've been in that you didn't have to be in over whether or not a sea parted? Or Jesus rose from the grave or any of those things. All you got to do is go to the very first line. And if we can agree on that one, everything else is possible. You know what I'm saying? He made it so simple. If we just, all we got to wrestle with is the first one. Everything else is, is easy after that. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your word. It is awesome. God, I pray as always that your word is elevated here, not mine. Your word is spoken, not mine. Lord, that you are glorified and not me. Lord, I'm a student. I might be holding a microphone. I might have the privilege of standing on this stage. But uh, that, God, I'm a student. 
it's your stage, it's your word, it's your church, it's your heart that I hope is seen today. And uh, and I want to learn from that. I grow from that. Even as the I work through the things you've taught me in this, I still end up making notes on notes because of things that you've revealing throughout your word, Lord. You're awesome. Thank you for that. And again, I just pray, Lord, that you're glorified today in Christ's name. Amen. So I was sitting at uh, Black Rock Coffee down the street the other day, and uh, I was having coffee and doing some work and study, and I was watching all these people kind of sitting in there and filling it up. I get there about the time that they're getting open and nobody's really in the building, and so people are starting to come in and fill it up, and, and most of them are like ASU type age group. Uh, students or young pros maybe and uh, so I was working and I just suddenly stopped and kind of was looking around the room and I was just thinking about each group of people that I'd see or person and thinking about maybe like what it was like growing up in their world and and what what their childhood might have been like I wasn't creeping on anybody or nothing weird I was just you know I was just thinking about it you know and then I started thinking about my own childhood I'm one of the same people sitting here and the memories that shaped my life I was thinking back on like playing war in the woods in South Atlanta, you know, with my buddies and building forts and stuff like that in the living room out of pillows and whatever else. And started thinking about camping in uh, Tennessee mountains and, and just different things that I did as I grew up. And I, I started thinking about the high school I went to, the dances that I was drugged to by girls who didn't make the cut. You know what I'm saying? Because I hated going to dances. All, all the just different things that shape kind of who I am as a kid. The night that I got my first job and uh, started it the next day, nervous as could be, and all I was doing was bussing tables. Remember the first night I spent in jail? Um, just all of the things that kind of worked through it. I remember holding my daughter for the first time, thinking about what that felt like. I remember surrendering my life to Christ and what that felt like. And then I kind of was drawn back to thinking about my daughter. And I started thinking about, okay, what about the world she grew up in? Like, what, what, what did she see? Her father was a drug addict when she was a toddler. And then he became a full-time minister. And so she grew up her whole life with me being on the road in a band for a long time, traveling all over the place. So I was kind of always gone. Uh, and then... Leaned into ministry and then started touring the world in a sense because I started doing missions overseas and, and then she got into that and she, when she became a young adult, she went to Tanzania for a summer and, um, she started getting a heart for the same kind of things. She was here helping this church grow for three years. Uh, God led them back to Tennessee recently and so now she and her husband Evan and their daughter are back in Tennessee. And so my point, why am I, Rambling on, I'm not rambling on, I promise, but my point in sharing all this is our memories, like my, my, my daughter and myself especially, our memories are so like intertwined, uh, but they're from different vantage points and different points of view, different points of impact. Most importantly, uh, Sarah, my daughter, she doesn't have any memory of playing war in the woods. You know what I mean? She doesn't have any memory of that. I do. Just as I have no memory of my grandfather, and the ship that he was on in World War II. I've heard him talk about it a lot before he passed away, but I, I didn't have any memory of that. And our world is completely shaped. Our world is completely shaped by the way we live in it while we're on it. You understand what I'm saying there? 
Our world is completely shaped by the way we live while we're on it. And we may know of others' times before us. We may study it. We may hear it. We may talk about it. But we don't really know it the way they knew it when they lived through it and what they went through. But God, guys, this is my point. God is not bound by memories. You know what I'm saying? God is not bound by memories. God God does not look back at the world or forward at the world to see what he might what might happen or what has happened. He shapes what happens. He shapes the world. He's not dependent on memories because he's present at all time. I know this is this is gonna be a y'all picked a great day because this one's gonna be heavy today, I promise. Alright? He is he is present at all time. What I mean by that is he's outside of time. He he all of time is in front of him. He sees it. He he sees it all. He's completely, listen to me, because this is the best part of it all. He's completely and entirely able to relate and understand you at any point in time. Because we say he's already there. Yes. And he's already been there. And he's there today. You know what I mean? So you, you see it on your notes. If you've got a note sheet, great. If you didn't, you can grab one. But... When you realize that our beginning is not God's beginning, it gives this great meaning that shapes our life. And it, it gives us hope for whatever we're going to deal with in life, past, present, and future. All right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word, in the beginning. You ever listen to a kid uh, ask why? And then you answer, and what do they say? Why? And you answer, and why? And then you answer, and then why? And at some point, you're like, just because. Like, stop it, you know? Or then it's, then you get into the becauses. Because I said, well, because of this. Well, because of this. And because of, like, it's just this child's sense of curiosity that things just keep going. What was before that? What was before that? What was before that? Well, where do we start the story of God in the beginning? In Hebrew, that word, is a one single word. In the beginning, it's one single word, Bereshit. It literally means like beginning. Genesis is the title of your book there. Genesis means origin or start or beginning. When was your beginning? Thought about this. Was it when you were born? Was it when you were conceived? Uh, you know, when was Tempe's beginning? We're sitting here right now. When was Tempe's beginning? Was it when Bill Hayden? Because that's what history tells you is when Bill Hayden crossed the ferry on a ferry and started the mill over there. But that was Hayden's Ferry is what it was called, not Tempe. It was when uh, a guy who saw the area and thought it looked like a place in Greece named Tempe. That's when it changed the name Tempe. So was it Hayden or was it that guy? Or, or was it uh, 10,000 years before that when the Hohokam people were here? Carving on the rocks, you know. At what point was Tempe's beginning? At some point, I can promise you this, there was a beginning to this place that we call Tempe. At some point, there was a beginning to you. All things have a beginning. Everything that we know of has a beginning. It all starts. And science proves that. In fact, the odd thing is, that's what atheists typically use to try to argue against God's existence. That all things have this beginning, but science is a gift from God that's supposed to help us see who God is. 
is supposed to help us appreciate and study and learn about who God is. And, and listen, the fact that all things begin means there is a cause of the beginning. Okay, so whether you're an atheist or not, whether we're talking about science or religion, if all things have a beginning, there's a cause of that beginning. So what caused the beginning or who? You know, I love the way that the Jewish Bible translates this first first verse here. And the Jews are the ones who gave us the Bible, the Hebrew people. It was written in Hebrew, the Old Testament. They're the ones who gave it to us. So the way that the Jewish Bible translated translate that first sentence, Bereshit bara Elohim, it says, where we say in the beginning God created, it says when God began to create. How's that different? It's telling you that that wasn't, in fact, the beginning, at least of God. That he was already there. It wasn't his beginning. It was our beginning. It's the beginning of this universe that we all live in. It's the beginning of angels and heavens and all of those things. So the question then is, well, where did God come from? Because I know I get it. They could That could be pushed back on just the same. But the problem is that just pushes the question back further. Because if you say, where did God come from? Who's the God that made God? Well, that's God. You know what I mean? And you just start pushing it farther back and farther back. My daughter... Um, she, uh, one, one, one moment she came home from school and was telling me about a conversation she had with a boy, uh, at lunch table. And, uh, I was pretty proud of her for this and I've told this before, but she, she said that the boy was, uh, questioning her faith and, uh, he claimed to believe in the Big Bang. And so they were having this discussion about the Big Bang creation of everything versus God's creation of everything. And she said, well, where were the things that caused the bang? And he said, well, where did God come from? And she said, well, since we can't definitively answer either one of those, why don't we start from there and come forward and see which one makes more sense? And I thought, man, that's such a great, a great way to address that, a great way to look at it. But to say that he exists before creation means he is truly omnipresent. I mentioned this earlier, but it means he can see everything. He's not just present everywhere at once, but every time at once. You understand what I'm saying? He's not, it's not just that he's everywhere at once. He's at every time at once. He's not just present in the past. He's present in the now and in the future. Why? Because he's outside of it. He sees it all. It's all in front of him. He can see all of it. He said in Exodus chapter 3, he told Moses what his name was. He said, I am. We can look at that later, but I am. I have been, I am now, I will be, I am. That's his name. Always present at all times at the same time. (laughs) That just blows me away. Always present, always present at all times at the same time. So who is he? In the beginning, God. Who is he? The word there for God is Elohim. All right? Elohim, who is he? How would you answer that? What if somebody said, define God? (laughs) You know, define, give me a, help me understand, give me a couple of examples. You know, give me a couple of examples. You know, give me somebody to compare him to. Coach Lauer, man, give me somebody to compare him to. What's he like, you know? What what is he? What is he? Give me something to define him by. 
Isn't that what the church is supposed to do? Aren't we supposed to do that right? Aren't we supposed to define God for people as a church? Let me just burst that bubble. No. Not not even remotely. The church can't define God, and listen to me, shouldn't attempt to do it. Should not attempt to. It's not our job to define him. The church can introduce you to God. The church can help you grow closer and deeper with God, but the church should never attempt to define him and explain him. And God's own word says so. I'll give you an example. You don't even mark it down. Isaiah 46, 5 says, God said, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike? Obviously, that's sarcasm, which is pretty cool, by the way. It tells you something about God. Remember, we're painting a picture. There you go. God can be sarcastic. And I appreciate that, don't you? I know you do. <laughs> I, hey, God said, who are you going to compare me to? You know, nobody. So we shouldn't. But the, just the fact that he exists and has always existed, even before creation, it gives creation meaning and purpose. It means there's an artist. There's a painter. There's a designer. There's somebody who took a canvas intentionally and painted something, you know, or built something in order to express himself. Think about that. That's why artists do what they do. They do it to express themselves. Even if it's even if it's a copy of a painting, it's still done in their own style to express what they're able to do as artists. That's what he's done. He's created everything to express himself. And it means that we're designed to. That's awesome. Because we're part of creation. I'll read you this quote. It's great when it says, Warren Wiersbe said, uh, No scientist or historian can improve upon in the beginning God. This simple statement refutes the atheist who say there is no God, the agnostic who claims we cannot know God, the polytheist who worships many gods, the pantheist who says that all nature is God, the materialist who claims that matter is external and not created, and the fatalist who teaches that there's no plan behind creation and history. All in that one sentence. He says God's personality is seen throughout this chapter. He speaks, he sees, he names, he blesses, and he builds and he creates. I love that stuff. So his name is, the word there, Elohim, it is a Hebrew word. It's a plural word. When you put I-M, Im, on a, on a Hebrew word, it's like putting an S on an English word. What happens when you put an S on an English word? Plural, right? So it's saying, in a sense, bear with me a second here. It's saying, in the beginning, God's created the heavens and the earth. So does that mean there's multiple gods? Well, the same Hebrew people that wrote the word would definitely say that is not the case. So context determines it. So if I were to say sheep, is that plural or singular? Depends, right? If I were to say deer, is that plural or singular? Depends, right? Same kind of thing. So it depends. They, they never believe there to be multiple gods. There's only one. But But Elohim does speak to the character of who he is, right? It does tell us a little bit about this plurality, we call it, like a trinity. Something we don't quite understand, but we believe it because his word says so. Okay, we believe it because his word says so. His word displays him this way. He's one God in a plural sense. He's three in one. He's, he's displayed in that way. Again, 
Genesis 1, verse 26. If you've got your Bible open, you can see this one. Verse 26. Then God, or same thing, Elohim, said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Those are plural words, right? Those are plural words. But Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, you don't have to turn there. The first commandment, the Ten Commandments, what's the first one? Anybody know what it is? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Hey, same same writer. Moses wrote these books. Same writer. So was Moses confused? No, he's just telling you about the nature of this God. And listen to me again. I've said this a bunch of times. If you've been with me, you've heard me say it. If he created everything, if he created the universe, and if he created us, and if he's always been, believe me, it's okay that you can't explain how he can be three in one. Know what I'm saying? Until you can make a universe, don't sweat that you can't define God. Just believe in what his word says. It's okay that he's a little bit more complicated than you are. You know what I'm saying? Don't let that work you up. It says he created. That word is bara. It's an awesome, awesome word. It, it means to make something perfect from nothing. In the beginning, God made something perfect from nothing. We say he, he breathed it into existence or he created out of nothing. And that word bara is only used of God. It's in the Bible several times, but they only wrote that word with him because only he can do that. Only he can do that. He was in the beginning, before the beginning, in order to bara, to make the beginning. To create the beginning out of nothing. That tells us, again, that he is not just a creator, not just a designer, but a powerful one, to say the least. You know, he created, he designed the heavens and the earth. The heavens there is plural. Talking about the Hebrew people believed in three heavens, so do we. That's not weird. Just pause a minute and think about how you use your English word. Uh, Javier and Rick, we were talking about that this week. If you speak about where the birds fly, people will refer to that as the heavens. If you talk about outer space, people will talk about that as the heavens. If you talk about the place where God dwells, call that heaven. So it's the same kind of thing. So all of that he created. So that means that the angels and all of the place where he dwelt as well, all of it, the earth too. How did he create it? Bible tells us. Huh? Spoke. Let there be, and there was. Let there be, and there was. Man, his word, his word, listen to that a minute. His word is like supernatural. Like his word is so powerful that the mere hearing of it causes things that don't exist to exist. Why is that a big deal? Because you're holding it in your hand. I hope. And if you're not, pick a copy up on your way out. It's free. You know? That's the same word. It's his word. And I can tell you right now, this, this, this former junkie who's now standing on stage in front of you, God can make something out of nothing through his word. You know what I'm saying? I can, I can promise you that. I can promise you that. And that brings us back. To the Trinity again. Genesis 1-1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John 
1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Man, how about the Old Testament and the New Testament starting the same way? How about Moses and John both recording the same exact thing? Not a what, a who. In the beginning, there was a who. And notice in John's text, in the beginning was the word. The word was already there in the beginning. Telling you right there, he was already there in the beginning. Look in verse 2. It's not on the screen, but if you've got your Bible, you can look at it or write it down. Verse 2. He was in the beginning with God. All things, listen to me, all things were made through him, the word. And without him was not anything made that was made. That's pretty definitive. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's not, nothing made apart from him, period. What's really amazing is that the word is a person. And I know that because this infinite, omnipresent, unfathomable God put on skin and bone and became a man. You know, it says it in John chapter 1 and verse 14, same chapter. And that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we, he, we said, we have seen his glory, glory as the only son of the father, full, completely full of grace and truth. We saw it. Not that only we see him, but we saw his glory. He is God. The word is a person, Jesus, the son of God, or God the son. God the son. He was with God and he was God. Some people claim there's an A that belongs in there. He was a God. That's not true. First of all, it's not not there. And second of all, it doesn't fit the theme of the Bible. The Bible doesn't give you the opportunity to create multiple gods. He is the same. We just can't express how. It's okay. It's okay. Let me allow let me just allow you to see the point that I'm making, okay? And just write these down because I'm going to throw them at you quick. They're not going to be on the screen. I want you to go look them up. So just write the references down and go look them up. I'm going to let God's word illustrate what I'm trying to say about him being inexpressible in his three and one. And we're, we're almost done here. Job 34, verse 14. If he should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish. The man would return to the dust. If God were to call back his breath, all flesh, everything would return to dust. Okay? That's Old Testament. In the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Same person. Same person. Colossians 1, 15. Listen to me. This is one of the greatest texts in the Bible, in my opinion. Colossians 1, verse 15 uh, through 20. But I'm only read a couple of them. He says, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So to see Jesus means you see God. He is the image of what is invisible. To see him is to see God. Firstborn means in position. He is ahead of all. All right. Doesn't mean he was birthed. 
Verse 16 says, for by him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Listen to me. And he's before all things. He's before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He's the same person Job was talking about. Same person. Uh, Exodus chapter 3. I already mentioned it before, but God said to Moses, Hey, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. That's my name. That's who I am. The, the God in the burning bush that Moses is having a conversation with. The God who would split the sea open. That's I am. That's what he said, right? John chapter 8, verse 58. Just write it down. Jesus is having a conversation with the religious leaders at the time. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And they flip out. They go to stone him for blasphemy because they knew. He was calling himself that name. Jesus is saying, I was the one in the burning bush. I was the one that split the sea. It's me. Isaiah 45, 22. Write it down. Isaiah, speaking for God, wrote this. God saying, turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. Everybody, turn to me and be saved. For I am God and there is no other. Listen to what he's saying. I'm God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn. Because God can't swear by anybody higher than himself. So he says, by my own word, I swear to you. I promise you this. From my mouth goes out. In righteousness, a word that will not return void. This is going to for sure happen, I promise you. To me, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. That's what God said in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Philippians chapter 2, Paul wrote of Jesus in verse 10. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. It's the same, guys. It's the same. Give you one more. And this one is my favorite. I always think back on this one. John 14, in verse 6, Jesus says a famous line to his disciples as he's preparing to go to the cross and die. Jesus says, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that that sounds exclusive. That's because it is. You know what I'm saying? Why is it exclusive? Well, he answers that. I, I love this. He says, nobody comes to the Father except through me. He says this. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. That's what he just told his disciples. You, you have seen him. Well, if you're a disciple uh, like Philip, I know I would be. Philip's sitting there, and Philip's like, whoa, 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 hey, hey, Lord, show us the Father, and that's enough. Man, You, what do you mean we've seen the Father? Hey, you show us the Father, and we are good here. I mean, we are for sure good if you do that. And Jesus says to him, have I been with you so long, Philip, and you still don't know me? What's he saying? I'm him. He literally says that whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say he says, how can you say show us the father? 
Literally, to see Jesus was to see God, man. He's outright saying that. So, let's wrap this up. It sounds like God is so far beyond us. He's he's so far bigger. He's so far before us and all that. Can we really know him? Like, can we really connect with him? Can we really know what he's about? Well, that is what the story of God is about. That's what this book is for. It is a tool, as I said, to see God. So today, like, what do we do with this? This is all just theological talk. Dave's up here giving us all these wild theological things. What's the practical? Like, what does it matter? What do I do with this? Like, how does this apply to me in any way? Uh, my discipleship guys and I have been going through Job. And we were talking the other day when we met about how Job, for 35 chapters, Job's complaining, in a sense, about God. God, why did you make me miserable? Like, like, and you can read the story of Job in your own time. God takes everything from him. It's, it's, you read it in your own time. And he's wrestling for 35 chapters. God, why did you do this? Why did you allow these horrible things to happen to me? Why did you do this? Why did you do this? And he never calls God wrong for it. He's just wrestling with why, 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 why? What's the purpose? What's the purpose? And I love the way God answers it because by the time you get to chapter 38, God's had it. And God says, God responds. And when God responds, he says, where were you in the beginning? Where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Now, it sounds like God is slamming him, but that's actually an answer. What's the answer? What's he telling him? There's a plan. It's not an accident. You're not an accident. Nothing that you're going through, nothing that's going on in your life is just an accident. He has a plan. How do I know that? Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he didn't consult me first. You know, he didn't ask Coach Wakefield first. Probably should have. Coach could have helped him with some math. You know, I don't know. But he didn't, he, you know, he didn't, he didn't ask anybody. He just, there's a plan. No matter how bad it gets, all you got to do is go back and say, oh, but in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. Look up Psalm 139. Read it in your own time. That is one of the most amazing and comforting chapters in the Bible. And I want to give you a couple of verses from it. Verse 7, David says, where am I going to go from your spirit? Where am I going to flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make a bed in the grave, you're already there. And this is my, one of my favorite verses because the poetry is cool. He says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. What he means by that is he's saying, you know that moment, and here in, here in Arizona we can really get this. That moment when the sun like cracks right over the horizon. Like just that first crack. So like if you're at the ocean, you can really see this. You're watching the sunrise and things get light. But there's a moment, a split second when the sun itself comes across the horizon. That's what he's talking about. How fast is that? I don't know how fast that is. But he's saying that crack of dawn when that light shoots across the ocean. He's saying as fast as that happens, he says, even there, your hand would lead me and your right hand would hold me. Even even if I took up the wings of the sunlight, 
your hand would still lead me and hold me. There is a plan. Many of you probably know Romans eight twenty eight. For God, anybody know it? All things to work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. We know that God causes all things to work to the good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now look, take that with you, man. Take that with you today. And this week, no matter what happens. And look, if you're here today, maybe you never considered that God is real. Maybe this is something you're like, for the first time, you're like, so let me wrestle with this a minute. Maybe for the first time you're thinking that through. Maybe for the first time you're thinking, well, okay, well, if he is real and he did create everything, does he actually care about me? Do I matter? Do I actually have a purpose? Do I matter? Maybe that's you. I don't know. But I can tell you this. The answer is yes. Because his word says so. The same word that created everything said, for I so loved you. And I gave my only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The cross proves it. The fact that he went to that level of suffering for you proves it. And the fact that he came out of a grave displays the power he has to save you. The same power that created all things could not hold him in a grave. He conquered the grave for you. Salvation, forgiveness, redemption is accessed by faith. Three simple questions. Hey, three simple questions, and I'm done. I'm going to pray. Three simple questions. Can you admit who you are? You know, I, I, I don't have any problem with this. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm a failure pretty bit, pretty good bit of the time. Can you admit who you are? I'm a sinner. I know I wrestle. I struggle. I fail. I screw up. I know this. I know that if if I stood before God right now, I got no right before him. I know I can admit that. I'll stand on it right now. I, yeah, I'm good, man. I can admit that. Can you admit that you're a sinner? Can you believe in who he is, that he is a living, loving God who created, that what we're saying today, though it's hard to get your brain around it all, you can say, I, I, I don't know that I can explain it, but I believe it. I mean, I believe that that he is who he says he is. And then last, can you trust what he accomplished? Can you say, you know what? He defeated death. He defeated the grave. I I can't explain that, but I can trust that because I know nothing in me is able to do that. Nothing in me will ever be able to do that. And so I can trust in what he did, not what I did. Can you do that today? Just tell him. You can kind of come to me. Just tell him. Y'all can come back up and we're going to close out with the song. But take a few minutes while we're playing, while they're playing and singing and think through this, man. I want you guys to process this thought. And look, Josh is here. I'll be down here in the front uh, singing with everybody else. And if y'all want to talk, if you want prayer, come holler at me, man. Uh, if afterwards you want to talk, you want prayer, come shout for any reason whatsoever. But especially if you want to give your life to the Lord, hey, you don't have to have me do that for you. In fact, I can't do that for you. I'll pray with you, but you just tell him. Just tell him. I'm going to say a prayer and then we'll sing a minute. Lord, thank you for the privilege of preaching and teaching your word. God, thank you for your word. It is so awesome. Uh, I thank you for the fact that you are beyond my ability to define. You're beyond my ability to understand because that gives me the greatest peace of all. That I can trust that you know better and that you guide better and that you provide better and that you love better and that you care better, uh, Lord, and that you have better 
for all of us whose faith is in you. I pray for anybody that might be wrestling with it today, God, let them, let them tap out. Let them just confess to you who they are and that they want you to be there, Lord. Lord, I pray that today. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.